open your Bibles to the book of Haggai. Thank you for that, Georgia. Haggai chapter 2. I'm grateful for that. Haggai chapter number 2 is where we're going to read. And I'm going to begin reading in verse number 10. Haggai chapter 2. I'll give you a second to get there. Haggai chapter number 2. And uh, we'll begin reading Haggai 2 verse 10. In the four and twentieth day of the ninth month, in the second year of Darius, came the word of the Lord by Haggai the prophet, saying, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, Ask now the priests concerning the law, saying, If one bear holy flesh in the skirt of his garment, and with his skirt do touch bread or pottage or wine or oil or any meat, shall it be holy? And the priests answered and said, No. Then said Haggai, If one that is clean unclean by a dead body touch any of these, shall it be unclean? And the priest answered and said, It shall be unclean. Then answered Haggai and said, So is this people, and so is this nation before me, saith the Lord. And so is every work of their hands, and that which they offer there is unclean. And now, I pray you, consider from this day and upward... From before a stone was laid upon a stone in the temple of the Lord, since those days were, when one came to a heap of twenty measures, there were but ten. When one came to the press fat for to draw out fifty vessels out of the press, there were but twenty. I smote you with blasting and with mildew and with hail in all the labors of your hands, yet ye turned not to see me saith the Lord. So he's bringing them back and saying, when you came for 50, all, all that was there was 20. So he's showing them the deficit that had been produced and brought about in their nation because of their unrighteous, their unwise decisions and their sinful lifestyle. Verse 18, consider now from this day and upward, from the four and twentieth day of the ninth month, even from the day that the foundation of the Lord's temple was laid, consider it. Is the seed yet in the barn? Yet as, yea, as yet the vine and the fig tree and the pomegranate and the olive tree hath not brought forth from this day, I will bless you. Will I bless you? Let's pray. Father, help us now open our hearts and our our minds give us, dear God, what only you can. And God, we'll thank you and give you praise and glory for it. In the name of Jesus, we ask these things. Amen. If you go back to the early days of the Jewish people, and in their relationship with God, they were commanded by God to allow the land to rest every seventh year. Now we know that during the, the week there was a Sabbath day. On the seventh day God rested and he commanded his people to rest on every seventh day, every Sabbath day. Well he also commanded his people to allow the land to rest, not every seventh day, but every seventh year. And they failed to do that. For 490 years the children of Israel did not give the land 
the Sabbath rest that God required of them to give the land. And so God sent them into captivity and allowed the land to catch up on the 70 years of rest that it had been deprived of. And so 7 into the 490, God said, I'm sending you away. And for 70 years, this land is not going to be tilled. It's going to have its Sabbath. It's going to catch up on its rest. At the end of the captivity, the children of Israel were allowed to go back into the land out of their, the places of their captivity in Babylon. And you would think that everybody would jump at the opportunity to go home, but the bright lights of Babylon and the, the high living in Babylon had changed them. They no longer viewed themselves as strangers in a foreign land. <clears throat> they, never, they, they no longer saw themselves as captives in Babylon. <clears throat> Excuse me. In fact, they began to feel at home there. They began to view Babylon as their home, and they opened businesses and raised families. They adopted the Babylonian culture as, they, as their own, and actually what happened to them is they began to blend <clears throat> with the people of Babylon. Of all the people that were hauled away as captives, Ezra tells us that 49,697 were all that returned from the land. Everybody else sort of had an attitude of go home, go back to where we came from. I don't think so. <clears throat> I built a house here. I opened a business here. My kids are going to school here. I'm sort of, I'm sort of at ease. This has become now my comfort zone. And so rather than returning to the land of their birth, they stayed where they were. Eighteen years after those 49-plus people returned to the land from their exile in Babylon, it was 538 B.C., Haggai the prophet delivers four messages to his people, people of God. So 18 years later, they're back. They're beginning to establish some things, beginning to work on rebuilding the temple and, the, and the, the walls of Jerusalem. You remember Ezra, the book of Ezra and the book of Nehemiah. Work's going on. And Haggai delivers four messages to the returning remnant. Now, the thing that makes this book, if you recall our overview, so unique among all the other books of the prophets that spoke to the children of Israel is that they actually listened. This is the only book that when all is said and done, you feel like, okay, the people are making, they're making a move in the right direction. They, they heard the messages and they began to respond. Now, what we read this morning for our text is the third message, okay? That's, it gives the date and the time and everything on all four of the messages. So this is the third message that um, Haggai delivers to the people of Israel. And what he's doing here, as we talked about just briefly um, while we were reading the text, is he's telling them, look, look at the consequences of what you've done. I mean, saying, wake up. It's sort of like a, you know, he's sort of cuffing them a little bit. He says, guys, listen to me. Can't you see what has happened in your midst? When you were looking for bounty, you didn't have any. When you went 
and you needed sustenance, it wasn't there. You cut yourself short by your lifestyle you robbed from yourself to enjoy a sinful lifestyle, and in the long run, the things that you needed, you weren't able to get because your lifestyle has brought nothing but loss. And so he's asking them to consider the consequences of their choices. And here's what he says, your vines, they're not producing. You don't, I mean, you don't, you don't even have a harvest. You want food, but, but, but you don't have a harvest. There's, your vine's bearing no fruit. Your fig trees are barren. <clears throat> the pomegranate and the olive tree are, are non-productive. And these are staple, by the way, these are staple crops in that land still to this day. These are staple crops in that land. You can go in the marketplace in Jerusalem and get freshly squeezed, pure, 100%, absolutely non-diluted pomegranate juice. Okay, for those of you that are in the health. Okay, you're not impressed. All right, we'll move forward. And so he then tells them, you know what God wants to do? He wants to bless your harvest. He doesn't like it. He doesn't like, God doesn't like it when he sees the vine not producing. Things are shriveled up. There are no crops. You don't have, any, you don't have anything to draw from. God, God wants to bless you. He wants you to be productive again. But then he gives them an incredulous question. And he says this to them, Is the seed yet in the barn? I mean, he says to them, You don't, you don't, have, any, you don't have any fruit. You don't have any harvest. What you did have is gone. What you used to enjoy, you don't enjoy anymore. And even back then when you had some stuff, it didn't produce like you wanted it to do. And now here we are and God would like to bless you. However, there's a problem. And the problem is of your own making. Your seed's in the wrong place. You've got seed in your barn, and seed in a barn does nothing to produce a crop. And so he looks at them, and he says, how can God bless you, basically? That's the gist of what he's saying. How can God bless you when your seed is yet in the barn? Now, the first thing that I, I become aware of immediately as I read this story is I, I become aware of this fact, and that is that you can't expect a harvest when the seed is in the barn. Okay, let's say that again and let that soak in if, if, if we could. You can't expect a harvest when the seed is yet in the barn. And so he's asking them, this is a rhetorical question. He does not expect from them an answer. This is really a question statement. This is, really, this is really a point that he's using a question to expose rhetorically. He's basically, he's basically uh, uh, saying to them, um, you, you can't reap what you have not sown. You can't reap something you haven't sown. It's the law of sowing and reaping. Sowing comes first, reaping comes second. 
It's, it's a biblical law. It's throughout the Bible. Be not deceived, God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall a man also reap. Galatians 6, 7. Okay, so that's, that's like the law of gravity, the law of sowing and reaping. You sow and then you reap. You plant and then you harvest. And they have no fruit because they have not planted. Now listen to me. The law of seed time and harvest was established long ago. Go, go with me in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 1. Let's go all the way back to the beginning. What does the book of Ge- what does Genesis mean? Hello? Beginning. That's what Genesis. It's the Genesis. Somebody say, well, that's the Genesis of my family. Well, that's the Genesis of this idea. That's the beginning. So Genesis is the book of beginnings, okay? Genesis chapter 1, verse 11. Watch it. And God said, let the earth bring forth grass, the herb yielding what? And the fruit tree yielding what? After his kind, whose seed is in itself, upon the earth, and it was so. And the earth brought forth grass, an herb yielding seed after his kind, and the tree yielding fruit, whose seed was in itself after his kind, and God saw that it was good. So, so the, the, law, the, 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 the law of seed time and harvest is established at the very get-go of everything. You plant seed, it bears fruit. Guess what's in the fruit? Seed. You take the seed that's in the fruit, you eat the fruit, and you plant the seed. Okay? And so, you know, a pomegranate's got seeds all in it. Apple, where's the seed? It's in the apple. Okay? What's worse than finding a worm in an apple? Finding half worm. That's free. Didn't cost you anything. Write that down in the flyleaf of your Bible. So, so the, it, it, the, the, you enjoy the fruit. You enjoy the fruit, but you don't miss the fact that the fruit also produces more seed in order uh, to plant. Genesis 8, verse 22. While the earth remaineth, seed time and harvest. This is Genesis 8. Jump over there if you want to. Verse 22. Look at this verse. While the earth remaineth, seed time and harvest, and cold and heat and summer and winter and day and night shall not cease. Okay? That's even in the south. Where Tara's at, winter falls on a Thursday but they still have it. Okay, she's freezing down there now because I think it was getting down to 50 degrees. A cold spell came through. Really? I wanted to throw a snowball through the phone, but I couldn't, it wouldn't fit. And she's talking about how cold it is down there, having a cold spell. Well, well, seed time and harvest, okay? This is the law that, it's a law that God created. Now go with me to Mark chapter 4. We're just establishing some foundation here. So stay with me. Mark chapter number 4. Look there with me, if you will. Mark chapter 4. Mark 4, verse 26. All right, so Jesus is giving a kingdom parable here. Watch this. And he said, So is the kingdom of God, as if a man should cast seed into the ground and should sleep, and rise night and day, and the seed should spring and grow up. He knoweth not how. For the earth bringeth forth fruit of herself, first the blade, then the ear, and after that the full corn in the ear. But when the fruit is brought forth, immediately he putteth in the sickle, because the harvest is come. So I understand there's a parable in, in their spiritual application behind this. 
But the primary picture that God is giving us in this kingdom parable is just, is just simply this. You plant, then with patience you, you, you tend the ground, okay? Maybe do some weeding, you do some watering, and you pray for water. Finally, you work in the harvest, and by the way, harvest is work. You go in, you put the sickle in, you got to get to work, you got to get the job done, because the seed that you plant grows, and when the seed grows... And, and the harvest is there. you got to work to harvest what your seed that you planted brings forth. So, so the point that, that, that is important that he's making is that you can't expect to have a harvest if your seed is sticking in bags in the barn or bins in a barn. you got to get the seed out of the barn, into the field, into the ground, so that a harvest can come. Point number two is this. The seed isn't for storing, it's for sowing, okay? It's for sowing. I wish right now that I could take a picture of you and show you, you, as I see you right now. Okay, please wake up. All right, here we go. So, uh, some of you are like, boy, I'm tired of this snow. Okay, well, we're inside and it's warm now, so let's, let's get with it here, right? So, the seed isn't for storing. It's for sowing. You don't have seed to store. Okay, that's, that's not the purpose behind it. The question uh, that, that the Lord is giving is rhetorical. Is the seed yet in the barn? He's saying, what's the seed doing in the barn? Why is the seed still in the barn? <clears throat> He's stay, he making a statement. That's not where seed belongs. It belongs planted in the cr- ground so a crop can be produced. And if you don't get the seed out, this is what he's saying. Is the seed yet in the barn? You know what he's saying by that? He's saying if you don't get that seed out of that barn and in that field, you ain't going to have a harvest. That's exactly what God is saying. Now the beauty of what we saw a while ago and the beauty of what you did this past week. Okay. This, I was there representing our church, but this is the beauty of what you did. You know what you did this past week? You got seed out of the barn. And it's going to be in Huna, Alaska, in little villages. A guy's going to get in a boat, put some tracts and, 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 and some Bibles in a boat, and he's going to ride off to the middle of nowhere. You'll never see. You'll never be. You don't even know it exists. But he's going there. He's bringing the gospel. I gave the gospel out in India when I was there. I couldn't get back to that place if, if the, somebody paid me to do it. I was in villages and places I never knew existed, and to this day, I couldn't. Years later, I got a phone call from an evangelist. He said, this is Dean Herring. I said, yes. Pastor Dean. I said, yes, 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 this is me. He said, you went to India a number of years ago, about five years ago then. I said, yeah, I did. I, I sure did. He said, I want to share something with you that might be a blessing to you. He said, I was over there, and I preached a message in a city. And he said, a young girl came forward, and there were several crowded around. I was talking with them. Her name was Melanie. And I looked at her and said, Melanie, do you know Jesus? And she said, oh, yeah, I know Jesus. He said, really? How do you know Jesus? She said, five years ago, I was in, in I think it was Hubli, India, and a, a pastor from uh, the United States came, whose name was Dean Herring, and he preached God's Word to us, and I got saved. Man, I want to tell you, I thanked him as dignified as I could, hung the phone up, sat in my office, and wept. 
Thank God for seed. The seed doesn't belong in the barn. We have to get the seed out. I, I, wonder, I wonder how many of you believe that Jesus died on the cross for your sins. I wonder how many of you believe that he was buried in a borrowed tomb. I wonder how many of you believe that he rose again the third day. And how many of you have received him as your personal Savior? Well, most of us have, I hope, all of us. But if that's true, then you know what we have? We got seed. That's all you need. The death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. You know what that is? That's what the Bible calls the gospel. It's the story of Jesus. It's not going around making people feel good. That's not what it's about. It's going around sharing with people the love of God. Look at me. We don't go out into the highways and hedges and argue our doctrine with people. I believe in eternal security, but I'm not going around arguing with people about that. Okay? I'm not, I'm not going to try to force my doctrinal beliefs. You know what I'm trying to do? I'm trying to share with them the gospel of Jesus because it's the gospel of Jesus that changes lives. It changed my life. We've got the truth. There's no doubt about that. And we proclaim. You know what the word gospel means? Anybody know? Good news. I got good news. Here's my good news. You're a sinner on your way to hell, but Jesus took all that from you if you'll just accept him. There was a church sign back in Georgia that used to, that used to display messages. And I rode by it one day, and it said, and all they that were not found in the Lamb's Book of Life uh, were thrown into the lake of fire. I said, son, that's good news. I mean, is there any other message with that? Are you just going to put that on your church sign? Burn, baby, burn. Isn't there there another part of that? Well, here's the part of it. You don't have to go to the lake of fire. You don't have to spend an eternity apart from God. God doesn't want us to store up the good news in our homes or in our churches or in our heads. If it's good news, we need to get it out there where others can hear it and it can change their lives also. Look at me. We can, we can talk about the seed. We can study the seed. We can have conferences over the seed. Uh, we, we can fellowship around the seed. We can exegete the seed. We can dissect the seed. But you'll never have a harvest until you plant the seed. It's not going to happen. Can't have a harvest without planting the seed. And the only hope for this lost world of condemned sinners is if we share with them what someone once shared with us, and that is the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's the need. That's what we have to do. It's the only hope that there is. 1 Peter 1, 23, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. That's the only way that any person will ever be born again. Number three, ready for this? We are to sow the seed indiscriminately. What does that mean? That means we don't discriminate who we sow it to or where we sow it. We're to sow the seed indiscriminately. Go with me to Luke chapter 8. Would you do that? Luke chapter number 8. Luke chapter 8. Before we moved to Idaho, I pastored a church in Glenville, Georgia. Tattnall County was one of six counties that produced 
the world famous, and I might add unequaled, Vidalia Sweet Onion. There is no onion ever produced in the history of mankind that is even close. Well, they got Texas. Uh, no. Washington. No. Vidalia Sweet Onions. You can eat them like an apple if you really like onions. Hollow the middle out. Mark, take notes on this. Put butter in it. Wrap it in aluminum foil. Put it on your grill and go watch like three or four plays and it turns translucent. It's unbelievably, incredibly good. Every onion plant in those six counties are hand-planted and hand-harvested. The only machinery used in that is the truck that takes them out of the field, and it's very labor-intensive, but it brings a great deal of happiness to the stomachs of many. Well, that's not the way the gospel is, okay? Let me show you the gospel. Luke chapter 8, verse 4. And when much people were gathered together and were come to him out of every city, he spake a parable. A sower went out to sow his seed. And as he sowed, some fell by the wayside and it was trodden down and the fowls of the air devoured it. And some fell upon a rock. And as soon as it was sprung up, withered away because of the lack of moisture. And some fell among thorns. And the thorns sprang up with it and choked it. And other found on good ground and sprang up and there bear fruit a hundred, and bear fruit a hundredfold. And when he had said these things, he cried, He that hath ears, let him hear. Now look at me. You, what, what is this guy doing? He's just doing this. He's just slinging seed. I started to bring seed today, like, you know, rice and just throw all over you. And I'm just slinging. I'm putting seed everywhere, throwing some corn over here. He's just slinging seed everywhere he goes. Well, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Some is stony ground, thorny ground, wayside ground, good ground. Okay, well, why don't we do this then? Why don't we use our heads? Why don't we think about the fact that we just go around looking for good ground? You know why? We don't have time. We don't have time. We don't have the time to do that. By the way, you don't have the smarts to look, do that. <clears throat> you know there's been people I thought, that's good ground. There have been people I thought, they'll never amount to a hill of beans. Good ground. The people, they get saved, they weep, and don't do a thing after that. People that are dried, yes, I accept Jesus as my Savior, yes, I do, thank you so very much. And they turn out to be the most dynamic, passionate people in the world. You know what that tells me? I can't tell who's good ground and who's bad ground. I can't tell who's going to take the fruit and who's not going to. So what do you do? You just sling it to everybody. Because everybody should have the opportunity to receive the Word and to know the truth that Jesus died for their sins. And so rather than me handpicking people I like, nothing but Bulldog fans, I even sling it to, yeah, I do. <laughs> Ohio State fan? Uh, no, no, I, no, I, so we just give the seed out everywhere. We sling it out everywhere we go, and we're to do it indiscriminately. Doesn't matter their ethnicity, like it used to. Tragically, in parts of our nation, what a blight on the churches of Jesus Christ that somebody couldn't attend a church because of the color of their skin. May God Almighty have mercy on a generation that was so wicked as to determine good ground by a person's color, 
That's the most sickening thing in all the world. Doesn't matter their financial status. They don't have to be upper echelon. I'll tell you this before, when interviewed for a church one time, a pastor who was much older than me said, can you hang with doctors and lawyers and CEOs and businessmen? I knew what he was saying, and I said, yeah, I'm all right with that. But the implication was, can you walk with the upper crust? Can you walk in high cotton, we would say in the South? Yeah, yeah, I'm not intimidated by that, but I'm just at home with bus kids John came to Jesus, and he, uh, uh, John sent his disciples to Jesus and said, Are you the one? And Jesus said, You go tell John that the blind, the deaf, the lame, you go tell them that's who's hearing the gospel. The sign of the gospel is that it doesn't choose upper crust. It doesn't determine who's good ground. It goes to everybody. That's the kid who's, that, that's the kid who's been messed up on drugs that nobody cares about. That's the, that's, the, that's the girl that's too young to be a mama. and She can't find the, the father and the family's forsaken her. That's, that's her. We don't, we don't pick and choose. We, just, we throw the seed everywhere regardless of their moral standing or any other external condition. He died for everyone. Listen to this. Listen to this verse. Don't ever forget this. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6. But this I say, he that <clears throat> soweth sparingly shall also reap sparingly, and he which soweth bountifully shall also reap bountifully. That's a great verse. You know we look at sowing and reaping as? That's negative. Boy, that law of sowing and reaping, it gets me every time. Well, if you're not living right, it will. But when it comes to sowing the seed, how are we to sow the seed? Bountifully. Why? Because the more seed you sow, the more crop you're going to get. The more of it's going to land on good ground. <coughs> the, cash the lady that works at the cash register at Fred Myers, sow the seed. Okay, Get the seed out. Doesn't belong in your heart. Doesn't belong in your car. Doesn't belong in your van. Doesn't belong in your head. Doesn't belong in your home. Get the seed out. Now on the back table, we have heart cards. You can't give these out unless you do something for somebody. Find somebody that has a need and help them. Shovel the snow out of the yard. I don't, I'm not, I don't, I don't, I just look for something to do. Some way, if, if you see somebody in need, have one of these and just, just, just give, help, them their, help them with their need. Give them a card. <clears throat> and it says, I pray that my act of kindness reminds you that you are loved by God and the South Valley family come and see us sometime. And it's got our info and our contact and if they follow that contact information, they can find the gospel. We've got tracts we'll have out there next week. We've got some being printed up. We've, I've, I've written one we're going to use, and we're going to have an abundance of them on the back table next week. You are invited, South Valley Baptist. You know what's on the back of it? God's invitation. Why? We want everybody to know the gospel. I don't want to give a piece of literature out that, that doesn't lead somebody somehow to the gospel. I want to plant seed. It's not about us or who we are. It's about Him and who He is. Number four, I want you to know this. We're not in this alone. We're not in this alone. Go with me, uh, if you will, to the Great Commission, Matthew 28. Many of you know that. Here's, here's the reality of the matter. Um, we don't have the power to change a person's eternal destiny. I can't bring that kind of change to somebody's life. 
Okay, I can't, I can't do that. But I can introduce them to somebody that can. Matthew 28, verse 18, And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me. So who's got the power? Jesus does. Okay? In heaven and on earth. Go ye therefore. What does therefore mean? Because I've got power, you go. All right? Go ye therefore um, uh, and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe whatsoever, all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. And so he's, he's, he's saying to them, listen, and by the way, the go ye part can be pretty intimidating. Let's just be honest about it. It can be pretty intimidating. There's a guy, here's you, you're going to share with him the gospel? You're going to confront him about his eternal destiny? That can be pretty intimidating. But here's what Jesus said. I want to promise you something. Number one, I've got the power to change your life. You don't, but I do. Number two, lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. What does that mean? He's there. Have you ever had somebody look over your shoulders while you were trying to work? They gave you an assignment. They're looking over your shoulder to see if you had to work. If you have a daddy, you do. And so looking over to see if you're doing the job that you're supposed to be doing. Oh, that ain't what this is talking about. Jesus isn't just saying, I'm there watching you. I'm watching you. I got an eye on you. No, you know what Jesus is doing? Listen, let me put it this way. Jesus has got his work clothes on with us. Let me show you a verse of Scripture. Go with me. Go with me um, to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Everybody look there real quick. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 9. For we are laborers together with God. Ye are God's husbandry. Ye are God's building. Wow. You know what that means? Here's my job, sow the seed. I'm just, I'm just putting seed everywhere I can. Giving, track, giving, 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 doing everything I can. That's my job. What's his job? To take the seed that I sow and carry it to the heart. I can speak to an ear, but it can't go any deeper. He takes what I say to the ear, what that track says to the ear, and takes it right into the heart. There have been times I've been traveling, and I've given a track to somebody, and I said, here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I'm going to ask you to read that track. When I'm gone, when you have free time tonight, that will change your life. And somebody said, I, I promise you I'll read it. You know what I did on the way when I left? I prayed for their soul that God would take that word and carry it deep within them. I'm going to see people in heaven. I'm absolutely positive. I will see people in heaven that I gave tracts out to when I was traveling that got saved after I was long gone and I've never seen them since. Why? It's the power of the seed. My job's just to give them the seed God's job, you know who does that? He's the Holy Spirit of God. It's the Holy Spirit that convicts them and convicts them of their condition. And he, and, and he, brings, that, he brings that to them. John 16, verse 8 9, For when He has come, the Holy Spirit, He will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment of sin because they believe not on me. It's the Spirit of Almighty God. I sat down in a seat at the Bull Street Baptist Church as a 12-year-old boy. I heard Bobby Richardson give his life story. Bobby was speaking to a great crowd, but I felt he was only speaking to Dean Herring. Little Dean Herring, 12 years old, sitting there hearing the gospel. You know why? Because the Spirit of God took what Bobby said 
and brought it straight to me. And I got convicted of my need, and I got born again. One of the great discoveries of my early Christian life, I remember trying to, I remember there was a, there was a kid that was caught up in a gambling group. They, they, were, they, were, um, they were caught for um, uh, fabricating money, counterfeiting money. I tried to talk with him about Christ, and I remember he just would not take that step, would not receive Christ. I remember going to get in my car and crying because I felt like I had failed. You know one of the great things in my life was the day that I discovered as a young man early in my ministry that it wasn't my job to save people or convict people. My job was to give them the truth, and then, then that's between them and the Spirit of God. So let God do His work. You just do your work. And God will bless that. Last of all, and I close, and that's, that's just so important, and that is that a heart for Christ will be a heart for others. And I preached to a group of preachers last Wednesday night, Southwest Baptist Church. You know what I said to the group of preachers? You can pastor a church. But if you're not winning people to Christ and sharing the gospel with people, you're not a follower of Jesus. You call yourself pastor, whatever, doctor, whatever. I don't care what you put on your name. That's between you and whoever. Teach a Sunday school class, run a bus route. You can, you can work in security. And I said this, you young guys, you can be church planners and not followers of Jesus. Because Jesus said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. So if you're not fishing for men, you're not following him. Now look at me. Don't, don't get mad at me and don't stare at me like a calf at a new gate. I didn't write that. God did. If you're not fishing for men, you are not following Jesus. And if you have a heart for Christ, you will have a heart for the people that he gave his life for. That's our emphasis this year. That's going to be in our emphasis from now on. We're going to put tools in your hands, and we're not going to force you. But I just want to tell you, if this church is going to harvest people that are on their way to hell, we've got to plant seed. We've got to get seed out there. Paul said this in Romans 9, 3, For I could wish that myself were accursed from Christ." For my brethren, my kinsmen according to the flesh. Do you know what that's saying? Paul said, if I could die and go to hell so that my people would be saved, I would die and go to hell to save them. And we buy groceries every week and won't even carry enough tracks to give somebody. We cross the paths with people that God sends our way all the time and never even give them one single seed that might bear fruit in their life. I love the song, Set My Soul Afire, Lord. Set my soul afire. Make my life a witness of thy saving power. Millions, millions grope in darkness. Waiting for thy word, set my soul afire, Lord, set my soul afire. You know what we need in America? You know what we need in good old-fashioned Bible preaching churches? We need a revival 
of burdened hearts and weeping eyes. That's what we need. Because Psalm 126 says, He that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again, bringing his sheaves. What's the sheaves? Bringing his harvest with him. If we keep the seed in the barn, there is no harvest. Quick questions. When's the last time you specifically prayed for somebody to be saved? Not, not, for, your, not, not for your need. When did you, when's the last time you prayed specifically for the salvation of a soul? When's the last time you shared the gospel with somebody? When's the last time you handed out a gospel tract? When's the last time? Can you remember? When's the last time you wept? over a lost soul. Now I love you, and I know you love me, and I'm so thankful. I was so thankful this week when somebody would get up, they'd present their need, and I, I would stand up. They would go by sections and that big, I stood up, and I would say, South Valley Baptist Church will give $200. A $200 in and of itself may not sound like a huge amount, but when everybody gave their 200 and 305 and whatever they could give, it was almost a million dollars before the week was over. I was so glad to be there representing hardworking, wonderful, great people. Those other guys didn't know this. They were not aware of this when I stood up. But I was representing the best church in the whole world. That's how I feel. I know, they got good churches. I preached in a lot of their churches. I know that. But I know, I, know, I know South Valley. But would you please listen to me? God has not given us a family of friends so that every Sunday morning... And every Wednesday night, we could circle the wagons and enjoy our fellowship. That's not what this is about. Yes, yes, we love. Yes, we come together. Yes, we fellowship. Yes, we study. And we're going we're to do more of that even in the fall when we open up our, our school of the Bible. But if South Valley Baptist Church, when all is said and done, and I'm dead and gone, and you're dead and gone, when all is said and done, if we leave any mark, it's got to be on the fact that we sow the seed of God and we share the gospel with people that God brings us in contact with. That's my heart. And I'm going to tell you now, that's my shame. That's my desire. Dean, you haven't done enough. You're not soul conscious enough. And that's the burden that God has placed upon me so deeply in the past months. I can talk with anybody in the world about the Georgia Bulldogs. Strangers. Strangers. I wear my hat. Got the G on it. 
People say, are you a Green Bay Packers fan? I slap them. <laughs> we had the G before Green Bay ever had the G. I can talk about the dogs. Who's your team? Who's your, who, 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 who do you follow? I say, wait a minute, I've got a phone call coming. And I pull my phone out. And they laugh and we talk. Total strangers. It's all calm and cool. We have a great time. But that don't change anybody's life. Why is it that we stutter and swallow hard when I'm going to share something with somebody that's life-changing? God have mercy on me if I can talk about my football team more than I can the person that saved my soul as a 12-year-old boy. Now my prayer for, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't do this. I can't transfer to you what I'm feeling in my heart and what God is burdening me about. But the Holy Spirit can. And if you let Him do that, that's exactly what He'll do today. I want you to bow your heads, if you would. Would you, right where you're at, would you just ask God to do this? Would you just say, Lord, burden my heart for souls. Burden my heart for a lost world. God, burden me. Burden me. Ask God for boldness to speak, to tell others about Jesus, to give them the life-changing gospel of Jesus Christ. He's called us to be a lighthouse in a world of darkness. Is the seed yet in the barn? storing it and cherishing it and hoarding it or are we sharing it with others the back table you'll find some of these cards tracks will be back there next week and again we've got tracks coming in so we're going to give you the tools you'll find stacks of these take them we, we didn't have them printed you know don't waste them give them out every one of these is an opportunity to reach out to somebody give 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 this one and then give this one give a track we've got our looking for direction tracks we're having our god loves you track printed give them out make let's let's go this week and let's share this week with as many people as we can 
Sometimes you're, you, they're, they're waiting on your table. You, you can't stop them and sit them down at your table. They'll get fired, okay? But you can give them a track and say, hey, man, just would you, would you read this? Would you pray about this? And you don't have to be a great speaker. Well, Pastor Dean, I don't feel, okay, that's all right. You don't, you don't have to be extroverted to do this, okay? You can just, mm, mm, okay? Mm, mm. Give it to them. They'll take it from you. And you know what? Look at me. If they don't, it's okay. Don't, don't go away saying, oh, no, they're rejecting me. I've had them crumple my tracks up and throw it at my feet. Okay? So that's all right. That's, Jesus was rejected, so don't be, don't be afraid of that. But just get the seed out. Some of it's going to land on thorny ground. Some of it's going to land on stony. Some on wayside. But some of us going to land on good ground. And we're going to find people here, listen to me, that next year are going to give to that offering. You know why? Because they're going to see churches like this planted everywhere because their life was changed by the gospel. God's plan is always the best plan. If we'll just work it, God will bless and, and do what he, what he can do. Nathan, you come and dismiss us. And... Uh...